Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia.
Good morning, and welcome to Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. I am Covenant co-pastor Joanna Sidnor. Grace Covenant welcomes all who come to worship, whether in person, whether over the airwaves, or online. We greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. At this time, I want to draw your attention to a few announcements uh, printed in the bulletin. Um, I'm just going to highlight a few. We have a COVID um, update from the session. Given to the reduction in COVID cases, the session has voted once again to dial back our COVID protocols. As a result of low COVID case levels, masks are no longer requested during church events, but are still suggested if you cannot socially uh, distance. Also, there is no longer a distinction in mask protocols based on whether or not one is COVID vaccinated. Thank you for your understanding, your support, and your prayers. Please note that during the weekdays, masks are still required for everyone when in the hallways or spaces being used by the Child Development Center. This is due to the Child Development Center's of COVID protocol. If you or a family member test positive for COVID after attending a church event, please contact the office at info at gcpcrva.org. Join the Sunday School class that meets at 945 each Sunday morning in room 212 or via Zoom. Dr. Tom Miller continues his series entitled The Cross, What It Accomplished and Why It Still Matters through the end of February. So if you haven't been, you have one more Sunday. The next discipleship book discussion will be this Thursday, February the 24th from 8, um, is that 8 a.m. or p.m.? P.m. Okay, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. via Zoom. The book discussion is A House United by Alan Hilton. Nelson Reevely is the facilitator for this discussion. There are many more announcements in the bulletin. Please read them at your leisure so you know what's going on in the Grace Covenant community. Now, let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship service. Please stand and join with me in the call to worship as printed in the bulletin. Our help is in the name of the Lord. May heaven and earth. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O come, let us sing to the Lord and shout with joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to God's presence with thanksgiving singing joyful songs of praise. Once again, welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. 
This is the 99th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant. Today's date is February the 20th, 2022, and today's broadcast is number 5029. This morning's sermon, entitled Love Your Enemies, will be delivered by Reverend Dr. Nelson Reevely, Pastor for Discipleship. Assisting in the service today are Reverend Dr. Calvin Sidner IV and Reverend Joanna Sidner, our covenant co-pastors, Sharon Freuda, guest organist, the Chancel Choir, Rusty Stadler, liturgist, and Dana McKnight, clerk of session. Our opening hymn is Praise Ye the Lord, the Almighty, which is number 482 in the Presbyterian Hymnal. Brothers and sisters, we know that confession is God's mechanism to restore a broken relationship between him and us. Confession allows us to experience the forgiveness of God, which was purchased by the death of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. So very thankful for God's grace and mercy, let us now recite the prayer of confession as printed in the bulletin. Merciful God, we confess that we stray from your life-giving ways in thought, word, and deed. We fall short of following you with all our heart, soul, and might. And as a result, we fall short of loving our neighbors as ourselves. Graciously reform us in your mercy, create in us a wise heart, and put a new and steadfast spirit within us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your life-giving ways. Amen. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. 
anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Let us lean into this good news of forgiveness and live in love with God and our neighbors. Please be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this, your word, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life, through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. The Old Testament reading comes from Genesis chapter 45, verses 3 through 11, and verse 15. Listen for the word of the Lord. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father of Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brother talked. His brothers talked with him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament passage this morning 
comes from Luke chapter 6. Listen again to God's word for us. Jesus said, I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, And your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For the measure that you give will be the measure you get back. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in a prayer. Gracious Lord, the preaching of your word, with the blessing of your spirit, grant that insofar as it is true to your everlasting goodness, it shall be undergirded by your power and by your love And grant that insofar as it is false, it shall be swiftly forgotten and do no harm. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Across the millennia, this is perhaps the most consistently counter-cultural message of Christ for us, given the way it challenges our sense of not simply justice and fairness, but also of prudence and self-preservation. On their face, these commands sound like calls to be a doormat, to be walked all over, and more challenging yet, they seem to give those with harmful intent free reign to abuse not simply us individually, but our loved ones and anyone else we might be able to protect if we could simply hit back. Counterpunch, retaliate in kind. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. What is this? Jesus cannot be serious. Enemies are those folks who seek to do you harm or have already done you harm. Enemies want to see you fail. In the most petty sense, they just want to see you embarrassed or tripped up or teased or annoyed. 
Enemies are those folks who harbor a grudge against you, who never give you the benefit of the doubt, who nitpick all that you do, who make snide or condescending comments at or around you. In more serious ways, enemies strive to prevent you from maybe being promoted or advanced in your career. They may seek your financial and vocational ruin. They might steal from you. They might take from you. They might make unreasonable demands of you. And in even more extreme cases, they might seek to verbally abuse you or physically abuse you. They might demean you or beat you or attack you. And this harm could all happen on an interpersonal scale, or it could be systematically set up and built into institutions and laws and social norms. It's also something that could happen violently and militarily across nations. When Jesus talks of loving your enemies, he's talking about loving folks who seek to hurt you or have already done so, whether in small, nagging, petty ways or in larger, more egregious, lasting ways. Now, some of us have suffered these kinds of experiences worse than others, but no matter the severity or the circumstances, Jesus calls us to love, do good, bless, and pray for these folks. But what does this love entail? We'll hold off this morning from delving into the long-standing debate that Christians have had for millennia about what this means in terms of use of force, especially use of lethal force on a personal or societal scale. Followers of Christ have argued deeply if, when, how, such force could be legitimately, justifiably used in light of Christ's teachings and life. And that's an important conversation to have, but perhaps one best had in something more like a Sunday school setting where discussion could unfold. But to a large extent, Jesus fleshes out what this love looks like in our very passage this morning. You love your enemies by doing good to them, blessing them, praying for them, giving to them, lending to them, without banking on getting anything in return from them. It entails not self-righteously judging them or resentfully condemning them, but rather being merciful and forgiving them, just as God has been merciful with you, with us. In his commentary on Luke, William Barclay notes that embracing this kind of divine love in relationship with those who mistreat us means, quote, no matter what others do to us, we will never allow ourselves to desire anything but their highest good, and will deliberately go out of our way to be good and kind to them. Notice that Barclay's definition is not an anything-goes response, and we'll talk about that more later, but it's a response that seeks the well-being of the one who would do you harm. And we know the well-being of any of us entails ultimately a conversion, a turning to love God with all your heart, soul, and might, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Responding in love and in grace, in kindness and forgiveness, with sincere blessings and prayers to those who would do you harm, is an immense and powerful witness, a testimony, an invitation to be drawn and turned into that twin love of God and neighbor. It's about as powerful a testimony as one could imagine. 
It's also important to notice as well that Barclay's definition of love, this kind of love of enemy as seeking your enemy's well-being, it also focuses on our actions and our intentions in regard to those who would or have done us wrong. This love does not necessarily entail warm and fuzzy feelings so much as good and gracious actions that flow in line with God's love for us. Martin Luther King Jr. fleshes out this same point in the sermon in his book, Strength to Love, noting that this kind of love of enemies is, quote, an overflowing love. It is the love of God working in the lives of men. And when you rise to love on this level, you begin to love men not because they are likable, but because God loves them. You look at every man and you love him because you know that God loves him. And he might be the worst person you've ever seen. Dr. King continues, and this is what Jesus means, I think, in this very passage when he says, love your enemy. It's, a, it's significant that he does not say, like your enemy. Like is a sentimental something, an affectionate something. There are a lot of people that I find it difficult to like. I don't like what they do to me. I don't like what they say about me and other people. I don't like their attitudes. I don't like some of the things they're doing. I don't like them. But Jesus says, love them. And love is greater than like. Love is understanding, redemptive goodwill for all men. So that you love everybody. Because God loves them. In that quote, Dr. King hits on the core rationale that Jesus gives for us to love our enemies. We're to love our enemies because that is how God deals with us, and that is how God loves them. God's creative grace, God's saving grace, flow out indiscriminately upon us every day. As Matthew recounts in his teaching in regard to God's creative grace, God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and to send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God's creative and sustaining love, God's creative and sustaining actions for us are not dependent on our love for God. God's love is not based in reciprocity, which is especially evident in God's saving grace for us. Even though we sin against God, sin against our neighbors, God does not respond in kind or even in giving what we deserve, but instead, God rushes and rushed to offer us salvation, sending his son, hurling himself into the eternal consequences, the eternal judgment, the eternal sorrow, and God-forsakenness of sin for our sake, so that we might be brought back into right relationship with God and each other. Paul articulates God's love for us in his letter to Romans along these lines as follows. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die, but God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. 1 John chapter 3 and 4 similarly and poignantly capture God's love for us, this love for us even though we were enemies to God. We know love by this, that Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 
And whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. Nobody's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. Ultimately, and put simply, Jesus calls us to love our enemies because that is how God loves us. Jesus calls us to love the way God loves, to do as God would do when faced with hostility. And in doing so, we lean into the charge that Paul, the charge that Paul also placed in his letter to the Romans to, quote, not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. In his book, Loving Our Enemies, Reflections on the Hardest Commandment, the author Jim Forrest highlights a powerful example of this kind of love. He tells the story of Louise and Nathan Degra Finreed, a couple who were in their 70s and living in Mason, Tennessee in 1984. Jim Forrest tells of an encounter that they had with a man named Riley Azrano, who had days earlier escaped from a state prison. He was serving a 25-year sentence for second-degree murder. And Riley had come, burst into their home one February morning in 1984. Forrest writes, Riley aimed a shotgun at Louise and Nathan and shouted, don't make me kill you. Louise responded to this nightmarish event as calmly as a grandmother normally responds to cases and accidents that befall a grandchild. Young man, she said, I am a Christian lady. I don't believe in violence. Put down that gun and you sit down. I don't allow violence here. Riley obediently put the weapon on the couch. And he said, lady, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in three days. While Nathan got their unexpected guests a pair of dry socks, Louise made a substantial breakfast, bacon and eggs, toast, milk, and coffee. She put out her best napkins. When the three of them sat down to eat, she took Riley's hand in her own hand, and she said, young man, let's give thanks that you came here and that you're safe. She said a prayer and asked him if there was anything he would like to say to the Lord, and he couldn't think of anything, so she just suggested, just say, Jesus wept. A journalist later asked how she happened to choose that text, and Louise replied, because I figured he didn't have no church background, so I wanted to start him off simple. Something short, you know? After breakfast, she held Riley's hand again. He was trembling all over. Young man, I love you. And God loves you. 
God loves all of us, every one of us, especially you. Jesus died for you because he loves you so much. And then the police arrived. And hearing the approaching sirens, Raleigh said, they're going to kill me when they get here. But Louise said she was going to go out and talk to them. Standing on her porch, she spoke to the police in the same terms she had spoken to the convict. Y'all put those guns away. I don't allow no violence here. And the police, as docile in their response to Louise as Riley had been, put their guns back in their holsters. And soon afterward, Riley was taken back to prison. No one was harmed. Louise and Nathan might also have been killed, of course. Good, decent people die tragically every day. But actually, it isn't so surprising that their warm welcome to a frightened man provided them with more security than any gun. Louise had an enormous impact on Riley's life. Riley recalls praying with Louise when she came to visit him in prison. She started off her prayer, he recalled, by saying, God, this is your child. You know me, and I know you, Lord. That's the kind of relationship I wanted to have with God, Riley said. And in 1988, Riley became a Christian. Louise was often asked about the day she was held hostage. Weren't you terrified? A reporter wondered. I wasn't alone, she responded. My Savior was with me, and I was not afraid. Louise and Nathan have powerful testimony and embodiment of the love of those who would do you harm, doing good for them, blessing them, praying for them, and doing so in ways that are transformative in the kind of mercy and care that you show. Many of us, if not most of us, have not necessarily had that dramatic and life-threatening an encounter, an opportunity to let God's love shine so graciously and courageously through us. But I think one place that's a little bit more close to our everyday lives, where the call to love our enemies does land for most, if not all of us, again, in an everyday kind of way, is something that is important, especially in our polarized times. And it's in the ways, it has to do with the ways in which it has become all too easy to see those who disagree with us as enemies. In his book, A House United, which we'll have a chance to talk about this Thursday evening, Alan Hilton notes the ways that it has become very easy to see those who disagree with you about what's going on in the world and what should be going on in the world as enemies as those who are out to harm us, to harm our loved ones, to harm institutions, ideals, traditions, aspirations we hold dear. We often see those who disagree with us as, at best, ignorant of some key facts, and more likely just not very smart, and at worst as outright malicious, outright seeking to do us harm. As Hilton writes in his book, quote, we often live with the stunted, simplistic, conviction that the world will only be better off without, quote-unquote, them. 
And he continues, in our time, Christians have stepped into the left-right battles over abortion, the Christian identity of the United States, the immorality of entertainment media, gun laws, recreational drug use, immigration, a host of other issues. Right-wing and left-wing Christian leaders pronounce on these issues and then lather up like-thinking congregations until they self-righteously dismiss their Christian brothers and sisters on the other side of the issue. One of the key things that Hilton encourages in line with the call to love one's enemies, as well as whether they're direct enemies or those we just perceive as enemies, Hilton calls on us to, quote, learn and practice collaborating and building community across our differences. He encourages us to learn how to disagree well and constructively, rather in ways that generate mutual distrust demonization, resentment. He sees learning to disagree well and to work across differences as a skill that the church in particular can and should lead the way in practicing and in sharing with the broader community. Hilton holds, quote, the people of our country need someone to teach them how to find things they can do together well, how to stay in the same room when they disagree on important things and how to talk to one another about those important things long enough to make something better than either person could have done alone. Loving our neighbor as ourselves and being faithful citizens of our nation may just require this kind of ministry. Hilton writes. Along these lines and along all that we've been talking about this morning together, brothers and sisters, Loving our enemies ultimately entails leaning and living into the kind of prayerful words that are attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, words we will shortly sing in our hymn. Lord, make each of us an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Jesus, our Lord, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. To God be the glory, brothers and sisters, forever and ever. Amen. And let us stand together now and sing our hymn, Lord, make us servants of your peace. You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled, Love Your Enemies which was delivered by Rev. Dr. Nelson Reevely, our pastor for discipleship. The congregation will now join in singing, Lord, make us servants of your peace, which is number 374 in the Presbyterian hymnal.
please be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Holy Spirit calls us into participation within the body of Christ. Let us prepare our hearts and minds as we move into our service of ordination and installation of elders and deacons here at Grace Covenant. Please follow along in your bulletin. There are different gifts. There are different ways of serving. God works through different people in different ways. Each one is given a gift by the Spirit. Together, we are the body of Christ. We are all called into the church of Jesus Christ by baptism and marked as Christ's own by the Holy Spirit. This is our common calling to be disciples of Jesus Christ and servants of our Lord. Within the community of the church, some are called to particular service as deacons, as ruling elders, and as ministers of the word and sacrament. Ordination is Christ's gift to the church, assuring that his ministry continues among us. Through ordination, God provides for acts of care and compassion in the world, for the ordering and governance of the church, and for the preaching of the word and celebration of the sacraments. At this time, we'll have the clerk of session come forward. At its meeting of January 9th, 2022, the congregation elected the following to the office of ruling elder for the class of 2025, and I would ask that those please come forward as their names are called, Louis Roseborough, Ashley Scholler, and Warren Zirkel. At the same meeting, the congregation also elected to the office of deacon for the class of 2025, Christy Brackett, Mary Gray, and Jim McCullough. Please stand as the elders and deacons elect profess their faith. As God calls some to particular forms of ministry, God calls us all to bear gladly the yoke of Christ given in the covenant of baptism. Let us therefore reaffirm our baptismal vows, reannouncing all that opposes God and God's rule and affirming the faith of the Holy Catholic Church. 
trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce the evil and its power in the world? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? With the whole church, let us confess our faith by stating the Apostles' Creed as printed in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. As we enter into service for God, we remember our baptism in Christ and are thankful. We praise you for the sending of your Son, Jesus Christ, who for all of us was baptized in the waters of the Jordan. The Lord be with you and, and also, also with, with you. you. Let us give thanks to our God. It, it is, is right, right to, to give, give our thanks and praise. praise. Gracious and eternal God, with joy we give you thanks and praise. We praise you for sending Jesus Christ, your son, who was baptized in the waters of the Jordan and was anointed as, the, as Christ by the Holy Spirit. Through the baptism of his death and resurrection, you set us free from the bondage of sin and death and give us cleansing and rebirth. By your Holy Spirit, renew us that we may be empowered to do your will and continue forever in the risen life of Christ, to whom you, with you, and the Holy Spirit, be all glory and honor now and forever. Amen. Amen. Candidates, please affirm your acceptance of the role you are seeking in your calling and service by answering the following questions in the affirmative. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledging him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you? 
Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal, in God's word to you? Do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? Do you and will you? Will you fulfill your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? Will you? Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Will you? Will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Will you? Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? Do you? Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination and love, will you? For ruling elders, will you be a faithful ruling elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture and service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in councils of the church? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? Deacons, will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's help to the friendless and those in need? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? Please stand. Do we, the members of the church, accept Louis Roseborough, Ashley Scholler, Warren Zirkel, Christy Brackett, Mary Gray, and Jim McCullough as ruling elders and deacons chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? Do we agree to pray for them, to encourage them, to respect their decisions, and to follow as they guide us serving Jesus Christ who alone is head of the church.
The congregation may be seated. Will Reverend John Scholler come forward and lay hands on Ashley Scholler? All ordained pastors and ruling elders may stand where they are and raise your hand towards Ashley. Let us pray. Gracious and eternal God, with joy, we give you thanks and praise. We praise you for Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life to set others free. Anointed by your Holy Spirit, he proclaimed your reign on earth, revealing your saving love in all he said and did. Gracious God, pour out your spirit upon your servant, Ashley Scholler, whom you called by baptism as your own. Grant her the same mind that was in Jesus Christ. We also give thanks, O Lord, for your servants, Louis Roseboro, Warren Zirkel, Christy Brackett, Mary Gray, and Jim McCullough, as they continue in the ministry to which you have called them, help them to rely on the gifts of your Holy Spirit and to follow Christ faithfully in this calling. Gracious God, pour out your spirit of power and truth upon the whole church, that we may be for you a holy people baptized to serve you in the world. Sustain your church in ministry, ground us in the gospel, secure our hope in Christ, strengthen our service to the outcast, and increase our love for one another. Show us the transforming power of your grace in our life together, that we may be effective servants of the gospel, offering a compelling witness to the world, to the good news, of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You are deacons and ruling elders ordained to ministry of service and governance in the Church of Jesus Christ and for this congregation. Be faithful and true in your ministry so that your whole life will bear witness to the crucified and risen Christ. Welcome to this ministry. It is appropriate that a charge be given to the new officers and to the congregation. To the elders, the scripture for your charge is Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 4, and 12 through 14. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith 
who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Therefore, let your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. To the deacons. The charge comes from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Then Jesus went out about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And to the congregation, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To God be the glory. Congratulations. And amen. Amen. Please let us join in welcoming um, the hand of fellowship to our elders and our deacons immediately following the worship service in our social room. You may be seated. And sisters and brothers, uh, let us go again to our God in prayer. Almighty God, you taught us to pray not only for ourselves, but for people everywhere. Hear us as we pray for others in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you inspire the whole church with your power and your peace, that you keep our hearts and our minds awake and faithful to your work of generosity and compassion and peace. Lord, lead us in the way of love for our enemies, both those who truly are out to harm us as, also, as well as those who we simply perceive as such, because we haven't taken time to sit down and get to know them. God, root your gracious love so deeply in our hearts that we can't help but bear its fruits out in the world. 
in our relationships with family and friends, with coworkers and neighbors, with strangers, and those we might simply bump into online. May we exude your gracious love, and may we repent and seek forgiveness when we fail to do so, Lord. Sovereign Lord, over the whole world, we also ask that you lead all nations in the way of justice and righteousness. So many nations, Lord, lead this very moment in civil war. So many live battered by corruption and violence, unchecked by the rule of law. And now, God, even the specter of 19th and 20th century wars and power struggles remind us that our capacity to seek peace in this life depends on our capacity to show forth your love. Unless you build the house, Lord, we build in vain. So we ask that you direct those who govern that they may rule fairly, maintain order, negotiate peace, uphold those in need, defend the oppressed, that this world may claim your rule and live into the peace for which you made each one of us. Finally, God, we ask that you comfort and relieve all those who are presently in trouble and sorrow and poverty and sickness and grief, especially those known to us who sit heavily on our hearts this morning. Lord, heal them in mind and in body or in circumstance, working in them wonders beyond all they may hope or dream. And Lord, guide, encourage, and use us as instruments of your comfort to all those within our reach. And now, Lord, we unfold all these prayers in the prayer that you taught us when you came as Christ Jesus to rescue us from sin and from death so that we might live abundantly in your image. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now I invite each one of us to give as we feel called to support the ministries of this church prayerfully under Christ, ministries of worship and Christian education, ministries of fellowship and congregational care, ministries of service to our neighbors near and far. You can give online at gracecovenant.org slash give online, or you can also give at the offering plates at the back of the sanctuary. Give now as the Spirit leads you.
Let us pray. Lord, thank you for these gifts that come from the bounty of your good creation. We ask that you bless them so they might be a blessing to others through our worship of you, study of your word, fellowship in your spirit, and service to others near and far. Make us wise and effective stewards to the glory of your name. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. And let us join together in our closing hymn, The King of Love, My Shepherd Is.
reminder to join after worship in the social room for a time of fellowship. And now, sisters and brothers, as we go forth to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor as ourselves, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. 
like to remind you about the next Red Cross blood drive that will be held here at the church on Good Friday, April 15th, between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Your announcer today has been John Harris, and the engineer was Steve Kemp. This service streams live and can be accessed through the Grace Covenant website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to the Truth Network on WLES, 590 on your AM dial and 97.7 on your FM dial.